We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. TJ Inman will be in uh, shortly uh, to break down the Ohio State-Indiana game yesterday. This is our post-game show. Uh, yesterday, Indiana fell at the horseshoe, 38-17 uh, in a hard-fought uh, loss to the number two Buckeyes, who are arguably the best team in the country, um, along with Alabama. Uh, Michigan is probably in the conversation as well. Uh, TJ, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, doing well. Not a not quite the game we expected yesterday, um, and that you ended up feeling kind of kind of frustrated at the end of it. Um, you know, Indiana had some chances to put the outcome of that one in doubt. Um, I don't know if Ohio State fans ever felt truly threatened, um, but, you know, you had a chance to cut that game to seven with under 10 minutes to play. Uh, you know, Indiana wanted to make it a fourth quarter game, and they were able to do that and almost had a chance to uh, to, to get that down to a single single possession game. So you're left feeling a little bit frustrated by that, but overall encouraged by the performance. At least I was. I mean, people are, um, you know, allowed to make their own opinions, but I, I think overall you have to be encouraged by the way Indiana battled yesterday, uh, and they they gave Ohio State a, a real test, and I, I think uh, I doubt the Ohio State coaches are feeling too great about uh, about the way their team performed yesterday, uh, particularly on the offensive end. I think the IU defense had a lot to be proud of yesterday. Yeah, and uh, you hit the nail on the head there as t- in, in terms of frustration. It's something that I've seen on a lot of comments on our postgame pieces, TJ, or, you know, people – Uh, rightfully complaining about the play calling. But then, you know, there's other people who are like, listen, you went toe-to-toe with the number two team on the country in their place. Um, And how do you not feel encouraged by it? Um, I I, I see both sides. It was frustrating in terms of, you know, IU just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, The play calling was – some of it was great, and then some of it was – not so great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you had a yeah. great play to, to Danny Friend in the in the third quarter for a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that tunnel screen to Ricky Jones, uh, where if he had a little bit more speed, probably gets into the end zone. But then in the you know your red zone play calling, I don't know if they trust Lego in the red zone anymore after you know what we saw against Wake Forest. You know, you saw after the the fumble, you know, Indiana had a chance to get out in front by seven points, which I thought would have been huge. Um, instead of you know kicking a field goal, you had a chance to, sure. to 
to get that there that you ran seven times. A couple of them were good runs, but Devine Redding is not the kind of back, and, and we've said this over and over again, he's not explosive enough to – and very few running backs are to, to – to beat a team like Ohio state with that speed to the outside. And, you know, you're missing two of your, you're, you're basically missing your right side of your offensive line and you can't run it. So they ran it seven times. I think they got 20 yards and ended up with the short field goal, but man, punching it in there after getting the takeaway really would have on the short field really would have, you know, put Ohio state in a bind a little bit. It was their first deficit since you know, I, I believe the, the opening game against Bowling Green. So it's a, yeah. it's a spot that they don't, they're not used to, but otherwise I, you know, the defense played the tails off. It was great to see uh, riding in the elevator from the press box with some fans from the suites and stuff. They were impressed by the IU defense. This is, you know, they're, Ohio State fans, some of them are, are very reluctant to, to praise IU in that their defense played well. Instead, they're asking, you know, why did we only put up 38 points on Indiana? If this is Indiana. Well, Indiana's defense, which, you know. Yeah, realistically, it was 24. I mean, yeah. It was 24. Um, you had two drives start inside the 10. I believe is at the 6, one at the 6, and then one at the 9. Um, the one yep. drive shouldn't have even, even happened because, you know, no. Big Ten refs um, uh, on the, the fumble that should have been an incomplete pass, but they called it a fumble on the field, and apparently there was not enough evidence on replay um, to overturn it. Again, this is just, look, if you can't get the call right, why bother? Um, yep. it, it, it wastes everybody's time. It's one of the drawbacks from college football. If you cannot get the call correct, why bother having replay? Um, especially in, in a game where, you know, that that turned the game into 10-3. Indiana, they, they probably don't get the first down. Um, you know, they, they punt. Who knows what happens? You, Ohio State might kick a field goal. They might score a touchdown or they might punt. So, um, but overall, I, I'm – you know, our our goal, I think, TJ, and I think we both agreed on this, was put together a good performance. Don't embarrass yourself and, and come out healthy. And I think, you know, as, you know, as gutless as that sounds a little bit, but um, I, I think that was accomplished. They they got out with, with holding their heads high. And we saw, I at least down on the field after the game, I saw Tom Allen, as soon as the, the clock hit zero, ran out and was, um, you know, slapping his, his players on the chest and, and telling yeah. them that they fought hard, you know, hold your heads high. Uh, and, and Will said in the post-game press conference, and I asked about that, you know, this was a game that maybe a year or two ago turns into like the Michigan State game last year where it was close, close, yeah. and yeah. then they just fall apart in the last six minutes, and it turns into 56 or 52, uh, 52, 26 or something like that, where it could have ended 40, 49, 17 or 52, 17. And just that's yeah. an ugly score as opposed to 38, 17. And, and the defense yeah, played the, hard the, for 60 minutes. Yeah. The possession where that really, I thought could have happened. Uh, Ohio state had just had probably their best drive of the day. Indiana had cut the lead down. Oh. 
uh, and Ohio State had had probably their best drive of the day. Uh, and at that point, I, I'm not entirely sure on how much time was left. Um, but Ohio was, State, Indiana's offense went three and out, and Ohio State gets the ball back with decent field position. Uh, and, it, you know, I think in years past, you would have seen them just be able to keep pounding the ball for another, you know, seven play, you know, 65-yard drive, whatever they had to go, um, score another touchdown within a couple minutes, and then, you know, like you said, it falls apart. Instead, Indiana's defense forced them into a three and out, and I think forced them into two more three and outs right after that. Um, so not only did they not fall apart, they really just continued to to hold Ohio State's offense largely in check until uh, Ohio State scored a, a touchdown uh, late in that game, like three minutes left, four minutes left, something like that on a on a pass. Yeah. But the three, performance three of the secondary. Yeah. Yeah, the performance and, of the secondary. And that was on a short field, too. Right. Yep. The performance of the secondary yesterday was uh, tremendous. Um, and the, the, the front – line gets credit for that as well because they were able to pressure Barrett um, much more than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, the the ESPN announcers, which, um, you know, take it for what you will, but I, I think Brock Heward is a pretty good analyst. I think he does a nice job. Um, he, he prepares for it. He's not just an ex-athlete that goes out there and shows up on Saturday and talks. He, he prepares for it, you can tell. And uh, he was very impressed by Indiana's defensive line, particularly Nate Hoff and Ralph Green. Uh, he he said that they, you know, did a very nice job matching up physically with Ohio State's interior offensive line, and I think he's absolutely right. And then the secondary did a wonderful job. Uh, the standout for me back there was Ashawn Riggins. I thought he had a great game. Um, yeah, he did. And it was again, his first career start, too, as a yeah, true freshman yeah. in the horseshoe. And, and he – he played tremendously. He only had three tackles, but he had that interception where he could have gotten um, in for six. He just got tripped up yep. uh, at the 14 or so, and then he made a tremendous play, I, I believe, nearing the end of the half um, yep. in the end zone pass where breakup. he a pass breakup that, that Jonathan Crawford nearly picks off afterwards. Uh, Ashawn yeah. Riggins is is really good, and and he started. And you know what was else good to see was Tyler Green back in the mix. Um, people might yeah. have missed him playing, but he, you know, he trotted out on the field. I think in the at one point and stopped one of the deep passes. Um, yep, perfect. Yep. He, you know, he just had it says he had no other stats other than the the pass breakup, but he. You know, it was good to see him back in the mix after – I don't think he's played since FIU. Um, no, he got burned against, uh, against the Panthers and hasn't seen the field since. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think maybe he had a good week of practice. It's good to see a guy like that uh, bounce back and and go on and go step to step. It wasn't like the ball was underthrown and, you know, he caught up with the receiver – he was going step to step, a step in step with that receiver, and, and made a tremendous play. And Richard Fant was was great um, as he has been all year. I believe he's either the the conference leader or one of the top guys in the conference in pass breakups uh, this season. Mm-hmm. So, but I I, I want to you know shout out to the defensive line because they've been playing really really well. TJ, like you said. Yep. 
Um, and, and it's a, a unit that, that came into the year with low expectations uh, as far as from outside perspective. They lost uh, – you lose guys like Darius Latham, Nick Mangieri, Zach Shaw, Darius Rayner, basically four starters. Uh, and you bring back Ralph Green and, and, you know, Robert McCray was hurt, but he came back and played yesterday uh, and had three tackles. Uh, but, man, guys like Patrick Doherty, who oh, know, yeah. I, I think I was talking to Matt Weaver yesterday, and he uh, pointed out that, you know, when IU went to Missouri and won, they played like 69 or 70 guys, and the only guy to pl- not play was Patrick Doherty. So to see him – be on the field and and making impact plays two weeks in a row against the you know t- um, tough Big Ten co- uh, competition is huge and that's a, um, a real testament to what Mark Hagan, uh, the defensive line coach, and and what Tom Allen has done to this defense is you know they took a guy like Pat- Patrick Doherty who is you know he's a, a decent player. But they, they've made him into a guy who can make impact plays and will play, you know, their hearts out for this staff. So, you know, Ralph Green was good, too. And, you know, you saw um, you saw that there was one drive, TJ, I think it was in the second quarter, where two consecutive sacks or tackles for a loss um, where Barrett yeah. was passing and then tried to scramble and in years past, I, I think that play, they missed the arm tackles, and you saw Nate Hoff get get the two TFLs. Uh, they only credited him with one sack, but two tackles for loss. But, yeah. you know, in years past, you see them jump out of those arm tackles, and it was just it was good to see them tackle this well. Um, and I think, you know, now you're five games in. It's not a fluke anymore. Um, it's this, this defense is, uh, is playing really well. I'll ask you a question. Do you think that Ohio State will have – because they ended up with, what, 393 total yards? 383, I believe. 383. Okay. Do you think that they will have uh, fewer yards than that in any game they play the rest of the regular season? Maybe against Michigan? I, I, it's, Maybe. It's yeah. – um, And they won't have Michigan. fewer passing yards. They will not have fewer passing yards than what they had yesterday. I mean, no, the, the uh, pass defense was was a couple. Now Barrett, I'll be fair. Barrett missed a couple. He missed a couple of deep throws. Um, it was windy yesterday, so he, he missed missed a couple of deep throws. But really, uh, for the most part, I, I credit pressure from Indiana, scheme from from Tom Allen and play calling there, uh, diving up you know the right pressures at the right time. And then pass coverage and, and pressure from the from the defensive line, um, I, I it was a a very strong performance. So um, definitely good to see. Yeah, and, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, it, it was good to see. And, and speaking about the wind, and and people will transition to to kickoffs here in a second. That wind, well, I, I was down yeah. on the field before the game, and it was coming out of one side and it bounced off the stand and it was like getting hit with two different, you know, from two different directions with the wind. Uh, so it was very tricky down there. And, and it was really weird, weird feeling to, to feel two breezes coming at you almost at the same time. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah, let's get to the kicking game. I thought the turning point of the game, TJ, you know, after IU cut it to 17-10 uh, with, uh, I think, a minute and three seconds left on the pass to, to Page, yeah. um, which is yep. a, a beautiful throw, a beautiful uh, route. Um, you know, the Ohio State returns the kick, I believe, to the five uh, or six-yard line, uh, Paris, uh, Paris yep. Campbell. Um, it was a great return. But, you know, everybody's – the questions about Griffin Oaks is, are flying around. Um, and, and, you know, this is a guy who had most of his kicks were, were for, or the majority of his kicks were for touchbacks. I believe it was 57% last year. This year he's around 66. But yesterday, I don't think either, um, either uh, kicker had kickoffs for touchbacks. Uh, well, OSU nope. had one. OSU had one, according to the stat sheet, um, that went for they a touchback. They also had one go out of bounds. Yes. Um, so uh, it's it was a tough win day. I, I think Wilson said in the, the postgame show that, that that kickoff got caught in the breeze and brought back to a side where they weren't planning on, on covering. Um, the trick on kickoff coverage is that your kicker has to kick it to the spot where you're going to cover and everybody's going to go yeah. get it. If the ball goes somewhere else or you shank it, you're in trouble um, and you have to adjust. And, you know, there were a couple missed tackles. Uh, there might have been a couple holding calls as well um, that, that the yeah. referees missed. But, you know, that was just absolutely killer. Um, instead of being down 17-10, getting the ball back at halftime, you're back to where you started at, at 24-10. Uh, they ultimately made it 24-17, and then, you know, they just great couldn't drive. get anything. That was a great drive. That was. That's it was the best drive 10, in the game. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The best that drive was, in the um, game. They, they hit. High point. Uh, was that the, yeah, was that the, 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 the drive they hit? Uh, Nick Westbrook down, um, down in the no. – uh, on, for 50 yards. Uh, well, e- either no, way, that, that was no. a, a terrific drive, and it, it showed you the fight on this team. It was 13 plays, 89 yards. It uh, took yep. almost five minutes. You know, for a little bit there, the, the game almost went into a shootout mode as, you know, between late second quarter and mid-third quarter, you know, there were five touchdowns um, yep. it's, uh, on, on six drives, if you want to call Indiana's drive there at the end of the half. Um, a drive, and then it just went uh, into defense mode. Whether or not Ohio State got conservative, I, you know, you were saying um, that that IU got them out of their game plan. That uh, they wanted to rush yeah. JT Barrett 15 times. He ended up with 26 rushes. Um, yep. And you know that's good to see that that IU could take away something and make Ohio State do something that they didn't really want to do. Right, yeah, two points from the broadcast uh, for people that were listening to the ESPN commentators. Um, now, you know, some of this could be coach speak. I understand that. Take it for what you will. But Urban Meyer uh, told Brock Heward before the game that Indiana would, quote, undoubtedly be the best team that we play, uh, or without a doubt be the best team that we play so far. Now, keep in mind, They've played Oklahoma. So, okay, take that for what you will. Um, And Indiana did play them tougher than Oklahoma did, to be fair. The second point was that 
Brock Heward was told by the, I don't know if it was by Urban Meyer or the offensive coordinator, I don't know, but Ohio State, their wish was to limit J.T. Barrett's runs, like you said, to about 15. So for Indiana to, you know, and that could mean 16, 18, yeah, but 26, that's, that's more than they had anticipated, more than they wish. You know, they don't really have a backup option behind J.T. Barrett, so they want to obviously limit the amount of hits that he takes throughout the season uh, so that he'll be, you know, healthy for the, for the remainder of the campaign. So Indiana forced them, uh, forced them to do things that they weren't necessarily prepared to do, and that's because really they did a really good job of limiting explosive plays from Samuel and Weber uh, and Barrett. You know, they had a few, but nothing huge. And then their receivers uh, really offered nothing to Indiana's secondary. Uh, Noah Brown was shut out. Um, It was a very encouraging performance by the defense, both in game plan and execution. And I think it offers a lot of continued optimism for that unit moving forward. And uh, I I think, you know, Big Ten fans might want to, and IU fans, I I do think it's okay. I know we're all very, you know, uh, naturally pessimistic about the defense at Indiana, but I do think it's okay to start to recalibrate your expectations for IU on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, and I think the coaching staff has done that. This is two weeks in a row where Wilson's play calling has been super conservative, um, it seems, yeah. and is trusting the defense, them. starting to play. It's total opposite of last year where he was um, going for things on, on fourth and, and six and above, faking a punt inside their own 20, uh, where they had no faith in that defense. And um yep. And, uh, you know, it's now to the point where, you know, they need to find a middle ground. Yeah, you could trust your defense and still make, you know, still not be conservative. And that's something that, you know, to me was the most frustrating part is that this game was right there. It was Mm -hmm. right there where maybe if you take a few more shots and throw the ball downfield, maybe you just break a play and, and score a touchdown and make that a one-score game, maybe get an onside kick, uh, do something funky, make a stop, get the ball back, take another stop, and and, and steal a win. That's what I think I yeah. think fans are frustrated about. And, and it's good. It's good for Indiana football to have fans that are frustrated about a loss to Ohio State, is that they care, and that's what the expectation level of this program is now, is that we want to go into these venues and beat these teams. And, you know, that to me was the most frustrating part. It was seeing that IU had a chance to go up seven early. They ran the ball. Um, they had a chance to make it a one-score game in, um, after the Riggins pick. And yeah. they, you know, they had the one-pass play, which was just a brutal play call. I don't think that that tight end wheel route was very good. Um, a very good play called down with that little room. That's a play that needs some space to get developed. Um, I'd like to see have seen something with a slant or something underneath, um, maybe yep. a page uh, or to find Westbrook on the other side. Uh, but, man, that's the, the frustrating part is that that game was right there for the taking. And, and you just and weren't aggressive enough 
in the play call, and maybe going on forward on fourth and two. Ohio State had 11 guys in the box. That's a play where, yep. you know, I, I, I know you don't want to mention Xander or, you know, other guys, but maybe having a package where you have a guy who could do play action, maybe calling it with Lego and having it, you know, call it at the line. Here's what you see. If you see this, we're going to roll out and, and hit Danny Friend or one of the tight yep. ends. Um, or a receiver for a touchdown, um, or, you know, just if you think you're going to, um, you know, get some push on the line, line up under center and sneak it. Uh, you know, you're, you're snapping the ball five yards back and then trying to run six yards to get, to get one yard. And that's not going to yeah. work against the defense against Ohio state. So there's a lot to left to be desired, desired from the play calling. Um, but, you know, it's it's a good thing to be frustrated a little bit, especially against a team against Ohio State. It just means your program has bigger expectations. Um, you could yeah. be, yeah. you know, look, we could be Rutgers right now. And, well, um, yeah, and we, we and have I, I, Yeah, well, I, I hate to tell you I told you so, but I told you so. You did. Um, yeah, you got that one right. Last, uh, last podcast you said that uh, you thought Rutgers was – probably worse than Purdue at this moment and it definitely appears that they are and uh yeah that's that's one that suddenly a 50-50 game on the road looks like one that you really definitely should win um now long time between now and then so a lot can change week to week especially month to month when you're talking about college football so we'll see but that's one that uh, you'd like to think if it were played next week Indiana would be heavily favored so um that's a, that's a positive. I think the biggest area for concern uh, moving forward is definitely zone offense. Um, they just, were three for four in the red zone. I mean, I know well, I know it's a concern. I know they 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 got a field goal and 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 missed that thing. But three for four is better than they have been all season. And it oh, is absolutely. a concern. Yeah. Yeah. The play, I think the play calling in the red zone is a concern, and maybe their trust in Legault throwing it in the red zone is a concern, but I mean, they, I was shocked to see that they were three for four in the red zone. Yeah, it is improving. Um, that's a, that's a plus because it has gotten a lot better, um, since the first week and you would expect that. Uh, and I, I would anticipate that it would continue to, to improve. Um, yeah, I think I, I just, I really think that they need to, give Lego a chance to to throw the ball inside the twenty or utilize uh utilize some different running backs inside of the twenty. Uh, you know, maybe give Clyde Newton a chance. I don't know, but uh I don't think that Divine Redding power back on short yardage situations is really working all that well now. Having Dan Feeney back, which, you know, we hope is next Saturday, um, having Dan Feeney back should make a difference in those situations um, and for the offense in general. So that's a plus. And like you said, I think it, it is improving. And it, it must be said, Ohio State so far is the best defense in the country on short yardage rushing situations and red zone rushing situations. So, you know, getting stuffed by them is not some shame and embarrassment, but um, it it is something that 
if you are hoping to match and then raise what you accomplished last season, you can't continue to leave points on the field in tight games because it's going to continue to be tight games. You know, Nebraska should be a close game. Northwestern on the road should be a close game. Maryland should be a close game. You know, the rest of this month, I would say, are fairly, you know, 50-50 toss-up games. Nebraska's going to be favored coming here. And I, you know, I said I thought there was a chance they'd be top 10, and they might be. Because uh, you had Houston lose to Navy. You had Miami lose to Florida State. Um, that's two top 10 teams. And then Tennessee lost to Texas A&M. I don't think they should be punished for that, but they lost to A&M. So that's three top 10 teams that fell. So it's possible that they sneak in there at number 10 coming to Bloomington, which I think would be a huge opportunity for the Hoosiers against a somewhat wounded Nebraska Cornhuskers team. But the rest of this month, it's going to be tight games, and you cannot leave points on the board when you have a chance to score. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're exactly correct on the schedule as well. This is now, uh, and we have a, a, about a minute and a half left, but this is now a schedule when you're looking at it that this team could win seven or eight games, um, you know, yeah. anywhere from six to seven to eight games, and we'll, we'll see where they go. But Nebraska coming in next four or week. Five. Could be four or five. Uh, they're just now these these games are all, you know, some against tougher opponents or matchup games that could go either way. Um, but right. you'd think that they they could beat Rutgers, they could beat Purdue, and and, and steal and, and get a win somewhere from uh, another one of those games. But you're right, Nebraska is coming in. We'll keep you updated on their injury status. But as far as I know, I think Western Camp. Uh, they're one of their most important wide receivers. Uh, Seathan Carter, who's a, a very, very good tight end, is out. And I, I believe you, you said that uh, one of their offensive linemen was out too. And Tommy, uh, Tommy Armstrong is dealing with an ankle injury, but he probably will be back. But we'll see yeah. if he re-aggravates that in practice. Um, if he doesn't play, uh, all you know, that, that'll Indiana be a tough deal a for Nebraska. Yes. Um, because he makes that team go, and, and we'll see. They haven't had a a, a great a great win either. Um, you know, Oregon no, uh, is kind of a terrible. mess. Um, so I watched we'll, them against Washington. They're awful. We'll uh, we'll break down that game on Wednesday. TJ, thanks for joining me on a Sunday. Um, enjoy the NFL games today, and uh, enjoy the yeah. beautiful fall weather. Absolutely, we'll have great content in our preview pod for Nebraska on Wednesday. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Check back at HoosierHuddle.com often this week. Uh, don't forget that BTN Tailgate is in Bloomington this week. At, um, at the, the show kicks off at 1030. Uh, it goes till cool. noon. They, they have um, they had some fun games and stuff. Uh, we saw it at Ohio State. It looked terrific. Uh, so stop by. There's food. There's drinks. Um, and uh, bring signs. So Uh, Thanks for joining us on Sunday. Enjoy the NFL games, and we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 